we've been talking this last four weeks now about God's great love and, and looking through the lenses of what? Let's, let's test your memory here. The two lenses that we're viewing Scripture through are what? Community and God's great love. Okay? And when we look and we read Scripture through these two lenses, one being, and I think probably should be first in, in line, is God's great love for humanity, for for people, even those that are far off, right? Those that don't know him. And then the other lens being that of community, that we are together the body of Christ. And, and we can't single ourselves out of that because it's meant for the body. The scriptures are meant for the body, and it's meant to be received as a body, as a whole. All right, And from that, once we understand that, then we're able to better understand individually what our responsibilities are and how we are to uh, respond to the commands in, in Scripture. All right? But only first by looking through the lens of God's great love. And when we look through the lens of God's great love for us, and even those that are far off and don't know Him as those that were in what great city? Nineveh, the great city of Nineveh. Remember where the Bible says that there was more than 120,000 people who what? Didn't know their left hands from their right. right? So they didn't know God yet, and and they were sinners, and they were far away from God, and and God was so angry with them that that he was going to blow their city up. Just like Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember what happened with Sodom and Gomorrah, Right? And, but yet, God sent someone to them. Who did he send? He sent Jonah. You remember the story of Jonah and the great fish? Those of you who, are, who haven't been here in the past few weeks here, Jonah and the great fish. And so Jonah was told by God, I want you to go to this city, and I want you to tell them that their sin has come to my attention, basically, right? Their sin and their wickedness and evil has come to my attention. I want you to go to them and I want you to warn them that if they don't repent, if they don't turn from their wickedness, then I'm going to destroy that city. Now, he didn't tell Jonah why he wanted them to go. He just told him to go to them, okay? And then, so we know that Jonah hops a ship He's headed to Tarshish, the other direction, far away, thousands of miles away, probably. Okay? And we showed last week on a map where, um, where Jonah was beginning from and where he was headed to. Do you remember that, right? And, um, and so Jonah only needed to go a little ways on land, mind you, but he headed the other direction on a ship through the Mediterranean Sea, to outrun, to get away from God and to, well, do his own thing. And God had another thing in store for Jonah. And so while on the way, the, the ship comes under many storms. God sends these storms, right? And then Jonah is, and, and all those that are on this ship are fearing for their lives, so they're throwing things overboard. We're just recapping here, very quickly going through things. And so they're trying to save their lives, but nothing was working. The storm just kept getting worse and worse. So they go down into the hull of the ship to grab more stuff to throw overboard, and who do they find in the bottom of the, the ship, in the cargo bay? 
old Jonah. And he just a snoozing away in the hull of the ship when everybody else is fearing for their lives. And they're like, what are you doing, dude? You're sleeping. You, get up, call on the name of your God and see if, if he can save us. And Jonah says to them, don't, don't worry. It's my fault. It's my fault that you are in the place that you are in and the storm and it's all my fault. Well, it's your fault. What do you mean? Who are you? Where are you from? What have you done? So he tells him, what must we do then to appease the storm and for God to save us? What, what do we got to do? Well, pick me up and do what? Throw me back into the sea. Oh, you're crazy. How can we do that? We can't commit murder. And so they, they continue to try to do everything that they've been trying to do, right? Throwing more and more and more stuff overboard, but nothing was working. And so they grab a hold of Jonah and they pray a prayer to Jonah's God and saying, God, don't hold us responsible for this man's death. And over Jonah goes back into the stormy sea. And what happens to the sea? The sea calms right down, doesn't it? God causes, the Bible says, the sea to calm down. All right? Now, Jonah is sinking all the way to the bottom of the sea, mind you. All right? And then if you, if you read in the book of Jonah, page 1195, in my Bible, if you read in the book of Jonah, it says that the seaweed began to wrap around him and around his head, and he was fearing for his life. And as his life ebbed away, he says he cried out to God. And he began to cry out to God. And God heard him. And I think by now, Jonah's beginning to have maybe, maybe a change of heart. Maybe. And so God causes a great fish to come and what? Swallow up Jonah. Okay? Now, Jonah survives this said swallowing. And he's in the belly of this great fish. And he lives there for how long? Three days. You've been listening. Three days. Jonah's in the belly of this stinking fish. I can't imagine what that must smell like. But nevertheless, that's where Jonah was. So in this fish, he begins to pray. Three days worth of praying now, I don't know, I, you know, I don't think Jonah was standing up in the belly of this fish. I think he was probably laying down, either face down or face up, and just not a pleasant place to be, okay? And so he's crying out to God, he's calling on God, he's praying for three days, he's in that same position. He probably couldn't move much, I, wouldn't ima I would imagine, Okay? And so we, uh, so Jonah then um, cries out to God, and then God causes a uh, this great fish to do what? Yes, the Bible says to vomit him. Vomit him. Yeah, you get where I'm going. All right, vomit him up on dry land. Okay. And so Jonah is now back where he began. <laughs> Isn't that funny? 
Jonah is now back where he started, where God first called to him. Jonah, go to that great city of Nineveh. Tell them their sin has reached me. And so now Jonah is back where he started. God calls to him again and says, Jonah, remember a few days ago when I called you and I asked you, I told you actually, to go to the great city of Nineveh and tell them of their great wickedness and evil and if they don't repent and turn from their wicked ways, turn to me, then I'm going to destroy that city. Do you remember that? Yes, Lord, I remember that. Jonah, get up. First, clean yourself up. Then go to the great city of Nineveh and tell them what I told you to tell them. So Jonah goes 550 miles. He makes the trip up to Nineveh. And now this city was so big that it took three days to walk through. So that's a pretty good-sized city, I would say. And the Bible says that as Jonah began to walk, oh, good, good. I get to use my thingy here again. Okay, where is it? There it is. Okay, so Jonah starts right in this area here. Okay, Jerusalem is right around in this area, give or take. And he goes down to Joppa right here. He catches the ship, and he's headed for for Tarshish, which is way over here. Okay, here's the uh, Mediterranean Sea. Now, Nineveh, right here, okay? So normally, he could have gone right from here, right there. Okay? But he goes eh, way over there. Okay? So, somewheres between here and probably here, Jonah's thrown over into the sea and is swallowed up by the great fish, and it took the fish three days' worth to get back to this area. Okay? Isn't that interesting? So, Jonah is now heading to... Nineveh, he gets one day's worth into the city and he stops and he begins to, begins to preach to the people, repent because God is going to destroy your city because of your wickedness and your evil ways. Turn to God and repent. Maybe he will have mercy on you. And the people, remember, their response, wait a minute, who's God? What's that? Wait, you mean to tell me we're, we've been bad? We've done stuff bad that has offended God? Do you think there are things in the world today that we have done in this world collectively that have offended God? Do you think that there are some? Yeah, absolutely. We see it every day. TV shows promote it, all right? Movies promote it. It's all over the place. God has a standard that he expects us to live by. And whether we know his laws or his ways or not, God's law still stands. And we've spoken about this before. If we're going through Medina at 55 miles an hour and we get pulled over by Officer Doyle and and he says, what are you thinking? Well, Officer Doyle, I, I didn't know that the speed limit was only 30 miles an hour. Oh, okay. Well, in that case, you go right on ahead. You go right on ahead. Sorry to bother you today. No. He's going to say, it really doesn't matter much, sir or madam, that you don't know what the speed limit is in Medina because the law says that it's 30 miles an hour and you will be getting a ticket. 
Okay? So whether or not we know and understand God's ways, his law still stands. Right? And whether we know or not, if we have offended God, his law still stands. So wouldn't it behoove us to know and understand what God's law is? Wouldn't it behoove us, wouldn't it be better for us to know and understand what he expects of you and I? Well, God expects obedience. And in order for us to be obedient, to do what he says, we have to know what he says. How do we know, how do we know and learn what God says? Well, funny you should ask. This right here is a great book. You may have heard of it. The Bible. It's God's word. It's God's word to us. It's God's letter to us that tells us how, in fact, we are to live for him, in obedience to him. And it tells us also how to live in peace with each other, collectively, as a body, as a, starts with a C, community. Yeah? God's word teaches us us those things. It teaches us how we are to live, what things that he expects of us. You remember something called the Ten Commandments, right? Which was just, at the time, the big deal, right? The Ten Commandments was, was everything, right? And now Jesus has fulfilled all of those things, and now they are very, still very, very important, but they are a guide for us to live uh, together and uh, for God. But there is so much more in the New Testament now since Jesus has come and fulfilled the law, okay? The law of God. And so now, we, we have not only the Ten Commandments, Ten Commandments, but we have God's Word in the, in the New Testament now that shows us how to live and, how, and what our responsibilities are. We are responsible to, to show other people. And as God demonstrates His love for a place called Nineveh, where there's evil and sinful people, God sends somebody to do what? To warn them, to save them. You see, even though these people didn't know who God was, they didn't care who God was, they were busy living for themselves, for their own gain, at the cost of whatever, everyone else. But God saw them, and he saw something valuable in these sinful people. He didn't want them to perish. There's a scripture in the Bible, and maybe Bill can get that up for us, that God says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Yeah, to salvation. God is not willing that anybody should perish. Okay? But that all should come to repentance. And that's God's heart as he was sending Jonah to Nineveh. These people didn't know God. They were evil. They were wicked. And they were uh, destroying each other. And yet God, before he acted in his wrath, he acted in mercy. He acted in love. And he acted in grace. 
didn't he? God is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, he is patient with us, not willing, not wanting anyone to perish, but that all should come to repentance. So think about that. If God was sending, and we see, now remember, we're looking through this, this lens of, of uh, love, God's great love for, for us, for mankind, and we're also looking through the lens of community, right? And so God sends somebody to, to speak a message of repentance to these sinful people so that they will turn their hearts, that's God's desire, that they turn their hearts toward him, and that he is able to what? Save them. <laughs> That's the ultimate goal here. That God saves a whole city in the and in Jonah says, uh, more than 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left and also many what? What? Animals. Many animals. Isn't that beautiful? I love that. All right, And so all of the book of Jonah ends with this question. Do you remember? Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh where there are more than 120,000 people who don't know their right hand from their left and also many animals? God didn't even want the animals to be destroyed. Why would he want that? He created them. I just think that's so beautiful. I love it. And so in this, this book of Jonah, we see God in control of nature in that he created the storm. He caused the storm to settle down. He sent a great fish to swallow Jonah. He caused the great fish to spit Jonah up out onto the dry land. And later on, he causes a great vine to come and shield Jonah from the sun. And then he causes that great vine to die, causes a worm to come and eat the root of that. And so it dies, and then Jonah is angry with God, okay? And so, so many, in many different instances, we see God controlling nature. And at the very end, the very last thing, he says, and many animals. God didn't want the animals to die either. So God, in his love and his compassion, is reaching down to a place that is sinful and dirty and dark, and he wants to save them. Does that give you hope today? Does that give you hope today in that your sin, God is still willing and wanting to reach out to you to save you? That God is still willing to reach out to your loved ones to grab a hold of them and save them? God is still willing in light of all of the evil that is in our world today, and it's all around us, we all see it, that God is still willing in his great love for us to reach and send someone to speak the message of truth to people. God loves with a great sacrificial love. I just, that overwhelms me. John chapter 3 Verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have what? 
everlasting life. Right? And we know that our bodies are not going to live forever, but our spirits and our souls, they will. And they will remain either in a place with God or they will be in a place without God. Okay? Heaven or hell? All right? That's uncomfortable to talk about. And and people would ask, why would God send anyone to hell? Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. God is not sending anyone to hell. If they would only receive what he has offered, the sacrifice that he made his only son on a cross to make a sacrifice, an atoning sacrifice to make up for all of the sins that we've committed once for all, the Bible says. God does not send anyone to hell. We send ourselves to hell by refusing and rejecting the very gift of God. And that verse 17 says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? Save the world. There it is again. God didn't send his son to condemn the world, to show everybody how bad they are. He sent his son into the world to save people. To save you and to save me. By his blood on the cross. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So then, how how are we to be saved? How are we to be saved then? Jesus came and he died on the cross. Okay, I get it. What do I got to do? What is my responsibility? How do I respond to that? Well, that's just it. There has to be a response, doesn't it? When God acts, there, he's, he's waiting for a response from his people. God was waiting for a response from Nineveh. Right? So he sent Jonah to preach to them, and then he, he waited. And what did Nineveh do? Do you remember? They repented. The king got wind of all this preaching and what was going on. There's a hustle and bustle in the city. Hey, what's going on around here? How come everybody's all up in arms? Eat and drink and be merry. Don't think about anything. Don't worry. Well, king, we, this guy come down. He smelled like fish. I just, he was preaching in our city, and, and, and he was saying stuff like, if you don't turn from your evil and your wicked ways, then God's going to destroy your city. God, who's God? What? Who's that? Okay, right? And so the king, he's like, whoa, wait a minute. Okay, God is going to destroy our city if we don't turn from our evil. Okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what the king did. Okay, so he says, everybody, I want you to listen to me. Nobody's going to eat anything. Okay, nothing. Not a morsel. Is anybody going to eat? Not only that, but you're not going to drink anything either. King, how can we not eat and drink? Don't, don't do it. We're going to show God that we mean business and that we are repenting. We're sorry for what we have done. So, so God sends a messenger to warn them, and he waits for a response. And the response was that the king caused everyone to turn in, 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 in a community-wide, city-wide event a big fast. Nobody's eating, nobody's drinking, not even their animals, the Bible says. 
Nobody eating, nobody drinking. We're going to seek God and we're going to tell him how sorry we are that we have offended him. Maybe he will relent and have mercy on us. Well, that's the very thing that happens. God sees the intent of their hearts. And all of Nineveh is saved. Okay? Now Jonah, mind you, he's thinking, Lord, I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to be that way. I knew you were going to... Now I look like a fool. I went and preached to all these thousands of people and, and you're turning around and you're making me look like a fool because you're showing yourself merciful. I knew you were going to do that. That's why I didn't want to go in the first place. <laughs> Right? God says, Jonah, Jonah, should I not be concerned for that great city of Nineveh where there are how many people? More than 120,000 who don't know their right hand from their left and also many what? Animals, right? Should I not be concerned for that city? Should I not be concerned for Sue? Should I not be concerned for Jim? Should I not be concerned for Clyde? Should I not be concerned for Corey? That's really, that brings it home, doesn't it? God was not willing that you should die apart from him. So he sent his one and his only son to die on a cross to atone for, to make up and cover, wash away our sin so that we could once again be in right standing with God. This is the best story that has ever been told. (laughs) And that same story of love and that same story of Sacrifice is woven as a tapestry through the pages of this great book. Do you understand that? And over and over and over, that story says, from God to you, I love you. I love you. That just breaks my heart. You know why? Because I don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. Friends, this is the message that people need to hear. This is the message that saves people, not religion, not church. The message that is in these pages is what saves people. Pastor Russ, I don't have the power. <laughs> Alabama Full Gospel? Nope, sorry. Packed? Sorry. But each of us will tell you the letter of love that's written on these pages is a letter to you from God. I love you so much <laughs> and I'm, I'm willing to send somebody that is dear to me, my son, that if you believe on him, that you will not perish, 
but that you will have everlasting life. And the scriptures say to those that believed him, to those that what? Received him. Believe and receive. To those that believed him, to those that received him, he gave the right to become what? Sons of God, children of God, yes. (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? You see, we do not just default, and you've heard me say this a million times, and I'm I'm not really sorry, so. Um, But you've heard me say this over and over, that God, we don't just default to heaven when we die. We don't just default there. We don't just live our lives any way we feel like it, and then when we die, we just automatically go to heaven. It doesn't happen that way. That's not the way God's word, his own words, that's not what he says. You see, this book is is also a map, (laughs) and it tells us how to get to God. Yeah. The Bible shows us how we are to respond if we want to be with God when we die. We don't want to get to the end of our lives. Many of you I know have been traveling over the summer and many have been camping and and I was doing the same and, and you're starting to trickle back in now that school's started back up and it's good to have you back. But, um, so you may have used your, your GPS in your cars as you were traveling or maybe, maybe on your little phone or something like that, you know. And, and, and so you got, you got it programmed in there. Just, I want to get here, all right? And what happens, what do you hear when you take a wrong turn? You hear what? Recalculating. Recalculating. <laughs> you don't want to get to the end of your life and hear recalculating. You don't want to get to your deathbed and hear recalculating. Uh-oh, I took the wrong way. Okay, that's not what we want. We want to follow the path that God has laid out for us. And in Psalms it says, thy word is what? A lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word lights the way for us to go as as clear as this aisle is, is God's pathway for us to travel. Isn't that beautiful? Over and over and over, God's love is, is shown through his word. He loves us and he cares for us. And he desires for us to come to him. Would you stand with me today? Bill, would you come to the keyboard? I've just got to say that this message has been speaking to me to the very core of who I am. It has enlightened my thinking. And I don't mean that in an education sort of a way. I mean that in a heart sort of way that I see things differently because of this series that God has been speaking to us. I hope that it is the same for you. I hope that you see 
truthfully how God views you as his son or his daughter. I hope that you see differently how God views people that we would deem unworthy of his love and his mercy. How about that one? Okay? We like to receive mercy, but we don't necessarily like to be given it. Yeah? Well, that person, look how evil they are. They don't deserve God. They don't deserve the same forgiveness that me, a good person, is getting. Whoa, be careful. Be really careful. None of us deserves it. The Bible says that there is none righteous, not one. Because all, the Bible says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. We're all guilty. And we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior. As we sing this song, all I want you to do is to be thinking about what has been said today and where does that leave you? Based on what God's Word said, where does that leave me in relation to Him? Am I one of those people that is far away from God because of my disobedience? And if so, what do I need to do to make that right? Well, you can't do anything. Christ Jesus did it all. But all that we need to do is, again, respond. God is waiting for us to respond to what has already been done. Will we receive it, as the scripture says, to them that received, to those who believed, he, be, he gave the right to become children of God. Will we receive it or will we reject it? Well, you could say, well, I don't believe in heaven or hell. I don't even, I'm not even sure if I believe in God. That's okay. God's not afraid of that. He's not going anywhere. Okay? And there's, an old, there's a song, and I've referenced this a number of times by Rush, and in the song it says, if you choose not to believe, you still have made a choice. If you choose not to believe, you still have made a choice. Whether or not you believe, God exists. Whether you believe or not, there is law, there's still a speed limit. <laughs> you follow? So today, based on the scriptures that you have heard and seen, what will you do? What is your response going to be? Will you receive it? Or will you reject it? Will you come and lay down Lay down the burdens that you have carried throughout your life. The burden of walking in disobedience to God. The Bible says that one day we will all stand before the judgment seat of God and give an account of every careless word that we have spoken. That scares me to death. That scares me to death. What will you do? Come. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, I just thank you for each and every person that has uh, come here today and taken time to be here together in your presence. Lord, I pray that 
you would work in our hearts today. I pray that you would help us to receive you. Give us a heart that wants to receive you, Lord, and help us to act on that. Lord, there's no 12-step program that's going to get us into heaven. There's no certificate. All it takes is obedience and submission. And Lord, I pray that we would receive you as our Lord and our Savior. And I pray for each and every person here today. I pray for your blessing on them. I pray for your favor over them, Lord. And may the things, whatever they touch, may that be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.